0: Doing well. I'm doing well. I just uh, I'm looking at some footage from uh, McDonald's Happy Meal campaign that I shot this week.
1: That's exciting. Things are
0: good. Yeah, things are good. Can't complain. How was your day? It was good. It was good. Just uh, tied up some loose ends after our shoot. Um, got a hard drive dropped off, and you know, just sorting through things and trying to have a little bit of a weekend in there as well.
1: What are you gonna do this weekend?
0: Uh, what am i doing this weekend just hanging out with some friends i was uh not feeling too well this week and then you know had all everything i was doing with the shoot mm-hmm. so I'm just gonna wind down a bit and then uh i still have to see a couple of films on the uh oscar and dga nominations list yeah. um so i might try and see uncut gems
1: oh so good man
0: yeah it's one of the last ones i've left to to screen everything else i've i've screened um and I, I hear it's really, really good.
1: Yeah, it's just as good as people are saying it is for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've seen it a couple times now, and it's it was awesome.
0: Well, what are your what are your, your top films this year?
1: Oh man. Um, <laughs> honestly, honestly, the Lighthouse was like probably my favorite experience. Like. Okay. Cause it was yeah,
0: it's another one I actually I forgot. The on my list as well. So good,
1: man! It, it was just really intense, and like I'm I'm a sucker for like very 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 simple movies, like almost bottle movies. And Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson have just slowly become two of my favorite actors, like ever. Like they're just both phenomenal. So I really like that. Um, Uncut Gems was just like it was really refreshing because it's always nice to see Adam Sandler do a dramatic role. So I like that a lot. And then, for a second there did did you get to see monos by any chance?
0: No, I really wanted to see that I really that's the coming of age one right
1: yeah that that potentially still could hold the number one spot. It's probably between that and the lighthouse for me because i I got to see monos i I ended up being alone in the theater and it was like a really tiny like attic theater, so it was like thirty seats, and it was just me, and it was like. It was just brilliant. It was. It was that must really. Have been the experience. <laughs> yeah, very beautiful. Because um, that was
0: that was highly regarded, I believe, coming out of Sundance, right?
1: Yeah, it got a lot of festival pickup for sure. And then yeah, it just I mean, sort of. If you
0: got into Sundance, it probably could have chosen to go anywhere else too. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, th- those are probably top. Uh, Honey Boy was also fantastic. That was a completely like unique experience on its own. I was like. Yep. I was deathly sick, but I had some interviews with cast members, so I like had to see it that day. So I like I went to the theater with a face mask on. So I was like, I was really ill, but it it, that put me in a different state of mind for it. It was really therapeutic, very like. like,
0: What's What's interesting is I feel like uh, Shia LaBeouf had to make Honey after Honey Boy, or with Honey Boy. He also this year had to have a feel good film, like a really good feel good film, and I think Peanut Butter Falcon. Was what sort of plugged in that hole yeah. of coming out of Honey Boy, which was so probably so cathartic for mm-hmm. him and tough for him. Um, so I feel like he had to have just a. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Peanut Butter Falcons. It's no, I haven't. I, I really
1: want to. I, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't yeah, gotten a so modern
0: day Huckleberry Finn, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think having that film on his radar this year was probably a nice feeling coming out of Honey Boy or vice versa, just having the two balance each other out.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. What what's yours? What what struck you the most this year?
0: Oh, um definitely JoJo Rabbit. Oh
1: definitely. god, I love JoJo Rabbit too. I, I yeah, forgot to was, mention it. Oh, there's
0: that. a lot of great stuff this year. It was
1: a good year, yeah. Wow.
0: Um JoJo Rabbit uh and then, I mean, I'd, I'd be a terrible person if I didn't say I, I loved my own film coming out this year, <laughs> 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 which was you know uh, January of last year, uh, mm-hmm. 2019. Seems so long ago. But uh, what else did I enjoy? Um, you know, I, I did some work on Midsummer. I actually liked Midsummer. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk. I
1: wanted to talk about that. I saw Midsummer. I think four times in theaters. It was like in a, a thing for me. I just ended up taking I, people.
0: Yeah, you know, I I liked it. I just in the second act, I just thought could be a little tightened up.
1: Yeah, yeah I definitely. Things. Yeah, I I definitely kept comparing it to Hereditary because I like really really loved Hereditary, and Midsummer just felt more about like the visuals. Sometimes it felt more about just how like it felt more about like the sensation of the movie rather than like the actual story I think is maybe a good way to put it but it was just eye candy yeah, and it, it was just a it was it, was amazing. it really
0: was you know I think I, I think what I you know films that do sort of horrific things in the daylight seem to oh stick my god longer yeah I remember when I saw you know the strangers for the first time mm-hmm. and I'm like oh I don't know if you've seen that film when they they make it to daylight I'm like oh they're safe And it's like oh wait no no none of you are safe still <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know it just completely messes with your your notions what did you yeah, do absolutely. what did you do for that movie
0: so for that, I, I worked with a company called The Artery, um, which is one of my mentors. Uh, his name is Vico So every time and then I do a bunch of film work with these guys, and they're uh-huh. really wonderful people in New York City. And uh, we had a team of people. I mean, I, I spent probably maybe a month, um, you know, helping bash in some of these uh, art-built wax heads and exploding blood. And I, didn't, I had never seen... You know, I had no concept of what the movie was about. So I'm like, Why well, this is, this is, you know, it takes a toll on you because you spend all day, like, right. and you're really, art, you know, articulately placing blood and blood spurts. And and uh, I was working on a, comping a matte painting of the vacuum tubes going into the mouths <laughs> of these dead bodies leaning against a rock. I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> Um, you know, and then there's a, a wide shot, uh, you know, of a, I mean, you've obviously you've seen the movie several times when when the the older man falls and he doesn't quite
1: yeah. die from hitting the rock, uh. and there's a
0: wide shot of 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 the the uh, swing and, and break of his head. Mm-hmm. So I mean, when when you're doing that on set, you know, even if you have these rubber mallets, you know, actors. Innately want to slow down on their swing. I'm not going to swing through somebody's head, right? So you could feel the arc of their swing slowing down. So it didn't feel like it was coming down impactful and damageful. Uh huh. (laughs) So I had to, you know, rebuild arms and the the torque and swing of a lot of the hammer coming down. That's so So interesting. Yeah, and then you know I had to make it follow through the head and. And squirt blood onto the dirt and
1: Oh yeah, uh, I do remember the squirt. <laughs> I yeah, remember the squirt like well.
0: That. Yeah, <laughs> I and mean, it was there was amazing prosthetics in that film. But you know, you find you know, you are you're complimenting something. some things, some things you're completely fabricating. So I mean a lot of visual effects are just little things that you would never even think of. Um, because there was a lot of amazing prosthetics in that film. Yeah. But then you're going in and doing the whole secondary layer of of sort of an art test on horrific mm-hmm. <laughs> skull damage.
1: <laughs> that is super interesting, man! Wow.
0: So that was uh, that was interesting stuff.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I think I have a thing now with Ari Aster's films, where I just watch them over and over and over again until I am like numb to them. Because I've I've seen Hereditary probably eight or nine times now. I watched Midsummer, I think, five or six, and it's just like, I just get it down. But I'm I'm so excited to see what else he does. So excited.
0: Yeah, you know, there, there, there are a few directors that are exciting me with sort of u- unique uh, visions these days. You know, he's one of them. Another is, is absolutely Taiki Waititi. I mean, I just love oh, yeah. what – and I'm oh, a yeah. huge coming-of-age person, too, so I love what he's dealing with coming-of-age mm-hmm. stories. For um, sure. That's why I was so – yeah, so enamored by Jojo Rabbit.
1: Yeah, that was, really, that was a really sweet film. And what's weird is I went into it and, like, the first, like, ten minutes, I was like, oh, shit, I can't do this. Like, it felt like like you got to get through the initial, like, weirdness of it. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Like, yeah but then
0: you, I mean, then this crazy. Then you're laughing at you know, right. very taboo things. You're laughing about World War II and Hitler. And, uh-huh. You know, it's it's an uh, interesting feelings going into going into that, and then watching and experiencing it
1: for sure. Because it's like the most unforgivable thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely. super glad it got made though, because I know I know that it was like a bit sketchy that it wasn't going to get put out or anything here and there, but I'm super happy it came out.
0: Agreed. Same. 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 So,
1: what do you want to talk about? What's on your mind today? We can talk about your movie. We can talk about projects you're working on. We can talk about your favorite projects in your past, whatever, whatever uh, sure. you feel. Sure. I mean,
0: obviously, you know, my, my favorite project is uh, is definitely Rockaway, a feature film, coming of age drama that I uh, wrote and directed and raised the money and, and did all the all the things for. And that's awesome. You know, like what's what I love about it is that you know we are such a unique story. I mean, it's it's honestly just lifelong friends that I wrote about and didn't even change their names that came together to fund this film. And with mm-hmm. my background in visual effects and the connections and everything I've been doing for the last twenty years, you know, I was able to make a under you know, a under nine hundred thousand dollar ish film look like it was made for like three or four million.
1: Nice man.
0: Um, and we got, you know, the theatrical distribution, we got uh worldwide streaming distribution, we got great reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and The New Yorker and how do you All even
1: begin to go about that whole process?
0: Well, uh, I had never written anything before in my life, and I really wanted to direct a feature, and I've had a lot of success with commercials. I um, I directed a, a ton of national ads, uh, commercials for the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and everything you can name under the sun, and I thought I would get an opportunity to do something different, but honestly, in the world of ads you kind of just get pigeonholed as like the guy who does this one thing right so i just started writing a script and you know as you've probably heard the first thing you write is you write what you know and you know i knew these friends that i grew up with and i really really loved the movie stand by me it's just a beautifully told story um, based on a Stephen King novella called The Body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that Rob Reiner directed. And so I wanted to create a film that was just a nostalgic, simple story, but I wanted it to be real. I wanted it to be the way my friends and I were growing up. You know, and there's, there's definitely some Uh, dark elements to it but the juxtaposition to that is the sort of way we grew up being outside and just playing and being our own people away from our parents and not so connected Uh, and the little adventures you went on every day so I wrote this script and I'm like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever and then I actually had some friends who were real screenwriters read it and I said oh this is the worst thing ever (laughs) so I bought every single book on screenwriting um, and just read every piece of material I could on screenwriting. And I kept working the script, working the script. A friend of mine happened to be a talent manager, an agent. His name is uh, Corey Thompson. I went to NYU with him. Mm-hmm. And I showed it to him. And he loved it. And he said, was obviously after working it and working it and working it, he said, well, let me share it with a casting director and see if it's something they're interested in. He didn't tell me who it was and uh, shared it with the casting director. He said, they love it, they want to meet with you. Casting director was um, Billy Hopkins and Ashley Ingram. And I looked them up, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy cast Good Will Hunting, he cast Lee Daniels the Butler. Holy shit, man. Yeah, they cast, you know, 20 20 films a year, and most of them are, you know, uh, Academy Award nominees, they're indie spirits, they're all over the place. And we met for about two hours over lunch, and The guy, they never even asked me if I had all the funding, and at this point, I only had a little bit of money in. Right. Um, And they started uh, basically, you know, coming on board to look about and think about like who we wanted to start making offers to, Mm -hmm. and having his name attached helped me get most of the rest of the money in. And then once we started getting interested names, you know, it wasn't like we were, you know, we were shooting, you know, Smurfs three here. We were (laughs) making a gritty, gritty adult film for young adults that any teenage actor wanted to be a part of. Right. Um, so then we started, you know, getting interest from, you know, Kendrick Salati, who was on the Americans for I think four seasons at this point. Um, James Giacomo who's from just coming off the Oscar film Brooklyn. Um, Tanner Flood who had been seasons of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Moonrise Kingdom. Damn. Uh, Colin Critchley who had like six films under his belt. You know, this everyone just started piling on and this helped us raise the rest of the money Um, and also my background in what you know it wasn't like I was going out to do this for the first time it was something that I did professionally just not this longer format Mm -hmm. so that helped us get uh, you know basically everything going for production which I thought was the hard part (laughs) and I realized it's just as hard once you finish a film to get distribution and people to actually watch it Mm -hmm. so we were very we were very, very close to, I believe, to premiering the film at Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah. Um, I suspect it was a similar film that came out of Sundance that year that was in the Sundance labs that had very similar themes. Yeah. Completely different story, coming-of-age film, though, very similar themes, different plot. I believe that... They probably took our spot there, which uh-huh. I was fine with because I actually really loved the movie. But it was a bummer for us. So right, what we right. did after that was we did a ton of other festivals that you know probably aren't on the level of like a you know Tribeca, Cannes, mm-hmm. Sundance, Toronto, etc. But what we did was you know again with no representation and no studio behind us, we did you know seven festivals and won nine awards. I think we won five or six best best films of the festivals and Hell best yeah, dude. And best directors that's magic yeah i mean we yeah so i mean it started then we started getting attention um you know i think in the one well, the first time we screened the film in new york was for the long beach international film festival pretty good festival mm-hmm. and i said to them you know they said, We're gonna, you're gonna be in the uh the new regal theater i said well listen i said how many seats is it and they said, it's close to 200 And I said, all right, well, that's not going to be enough for us. And they're like, oh, every director says that. I said, okay. <laughs> so they released the tickets. We're the closing night film. We crashed their website in five minutes and sell out. Amazing. So they then added um, Malloy College, 800-person theater. And I said, I think that'll be enough. And they laughed at me. And we sold that out in a day. <laughs> that's amazing, so we man. we basically sold 1,000 tickets in about... 20 hours that's got to feel fantastic it was amazing you know and and then some papers started covering us next thing you know i'm out at sundance meeting with an entertainment lawyer who's going to do sales we've got some distributors interested Ultimately, we went with uh, a company called Paladin for a limited theatrical. It was Mm -hmm. a guy that used to work uh, and run Lionsgate stuff. Yeah, Um, Mark Ehrman. Unfortunately, crazy thing, uh, very very sad. He passed away the day we were released. Oh my Um, god! Crazy thing. Yes, I I I had just met him too, and I'm like, oh, this guy's wonderful, such an industry vet, so knowledgeable. Everybody loves this guy,
1: dude. That's horrible.
0: um, Yeah it was really nuts um but and back to a lighter notes. uh we then picked up uh worldwide streaming with Gravitas Venturas and they put us in you know about 200 countries on 50 streaming outlets wow you know, it wow, Prime, wow iTunes Fandango Vimeo Voodoo and we're all over the place and uh you know, it's, it's, it's nothing short of amazing being that, again, like, we didn't have, you know, an yes. a four, a Sony Pictures, uh, you know, anything behind us.
1: That's pretty um, surreal. And,
0: yeah, and, and, and Rockaway is, is holding its own, you know, on the movie meter, and um, it's really still, you know, up there, and people are people are look, checking us out, and we're selling DVDs and Blu-rays at every retailer online. We're sold out, I think. Uh, I don't know who's still buying them, but I, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so Rambling On, that, that's obviously been my favorite project, because uh, the film is also about my brother and I right. growing up on Long Island and the friends we made, so it's very, very personal.
1: For sure, man. That's that's just, it seriously sounds magical. Like, I love hearing when things just, like, happen. They just all end up coming together and happening. It's fantastic.
0: Have you uh, have you had a chance to check it out yet?
1: Yeah, I actually just watched it. About, oh, really? Yeah, about an hour ago. <laughs> I finished it. Oh, wow. Well,
0: where'd you catch it?
1: I watched it on Amazon Prime, actually. Oh,
0: excellent! Mm-hmm. Did you? Did you uh, I, I feel like you are a person that would watch the credits because there is pictures of the real people portrayed in the film. In yeah, the I did.
1: That that was very interesting, man. I was
0: nice, thanks, thanks. Well, thanks for checking it out.
1: Yeah, of course. It was. It was. It it brought me back a lot to my childhood because that's all I did all day, every day. For the like, I would just play baseball, football, ride my bike. Like it, I don't know, right. there's there's always a spot for a movie like that. Like I appreciate it, and I'm a huge fan of Stand By Me. Huge fan of like The Sandlot. So anytime those sorts of movies come into my canon, it's like, it's very it's very comforting and cozy.
0: Yeah, I mean that's why I, I, I really loved um again like the coming of age stuff. So I loved Peanut Butter Falcon. Mm-hmm. I loved Honey Boy, Jojo Rabbit. Um, you know, I mean the last the year before I. I my favorite, one of my favorite films was Eighth Grade. I was at the PGA yeah. Awards. I think I told Bo, Bo Burnham that. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, yo, like, bro, like, I voted for you, Eighth Grade. <laughs> I just love, I loved that film. That's
1: amazing, man. <laughs> I love Bo. He's a good dude. Yeah, so
0: he's a nice guy, really nice guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. It's just like we don't. Sometimes we don't spend enough time thinking about our childhood. I think, like, how incredibly informative it is. To how we are when we're older.
0: No, because I mean nostalgia is also very powerful. I mean, y- you can do things in your adult life over and over again, but the very first time you experienced those things, or did those things, or was with your friends and did something, and it's like, oh shit, we gotta stop doing that thing because this bad thing almost <laughs> happened. You know, hmm. those experiences for the very first time have so much you know gravity to them and and staying power in your mind and your body and who you become.
1: Absolutely. Did Did you feel like uh? In in my experience when I'm writing something, especially if it's personal, it, it seems like it's it's in the aim of like exercising some sort of feeling. So when you made Rockaway, did it feel like you were able to let some things go or make peace with anything since you like kinda of like made it concrete in any way? I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I think that the biggest thing for me with that is, you know, my, my older brother, Anthony read the script and he, and he was, I mean, he, this is a, a someone who, you know, I, I, went to college, he went military, he was air force, mm-hmm. uh, right around the time of nine 11. He was, um, NYPD, FDNY, wow. he was fighting professionally, you know, with, um, mixed martial arts. And I, I saw him like for one of the very first times get really emotion he's always been the rock you know right right emotionally he's like he's like i never knew you you thought of me this way it's like your protector i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah man like this is you know like i know you're not in the biz and like i'm making this film but like you're as big a part of this as as i am this is you like you're the you're the person in this story like it's you (laughs) um which was really really you know nice to like i never vocalized that to him and The other side of it is he never really showed me the emotion he felt after reading it until he read it so it was a nice moment for us and uh yeah and then even my mom and our you know our friends and and everybody they just uh they all said to me oh you really nailed our our voices and who we are and you Mm -hmm. really get us i'm like yeah these, these are friends that we you know i made in 94 and now you know how many years later 26 years later i mean we still Talk weekly, you know, all of us. Right. These are elementary school friends.
1: That's um, amazing, man. That's so amazing. Um,
0: yeah, it was really great. Um, that's, I guess, what I went through when I was writing and making
1: it. <laughs> that's special. That's it's a it's a honey boy type effect. I feel like that's the that's like the kind of film that I'm drawn to most, considering what I what I'd like to make and also like what I watch. Like, I, there's just something so. Nice about knowing the film was also a cathartic experience for the writer and for the creator. Like, that's why Honey Boy was so good to me, is because you know, you just know exactly what that did for the person who made it, and that makes it even better. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I I went to the uh, Woodstock Film Festival and Mm -hmm. I wanted to, not with my film, just I was supporting uh, Tanner Flood. Who was in Rockaway? He's the boy from Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt. He's uh-huh. Moonrise Kingdom, and then and, um, and he had a film called Eighteen the Party that was premiering there. And I went up to Woodstock, and I also saw that Honey Boy was premiering there as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, they were playing at the same exact time. Oh so dear! I went, I, went, I went to support Tanner, but I went up there, and I was hoping that maybe I didn't know if, if Shiloh was going to be there, mm-hmm. but I wanted to sort of tell him, like you know, that I feel like his experience and my experience were probably very, very similar and yeah. in the same ways, um, but he wasn't there. So Damn. I didn't get a chance to run into him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man. It's, um, it's, it's weird how sometimes art is what does the thing, like, especially something like Shia with like, that's extreme like necessity to, to relinquish some of those demons. And oh absolutely. I, I, there's there's some weird phenomenon where when you write it down or you show it or, or I, I don't I'm still trying to figure out like what's so special about it but something about writing it down and memorializing it is like like you can let go of it almost. I don't know. And of course when other people relate to it and they like people say wow like this movie helped me then that it takes on a whole new life and you're kind of rewriting the story in that way. But it's just a really interesting thing that we do, I think. Oh, I, 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 can, I agree completely. I mean, I had a, a young kid
0: from Serbia reach out to me that he watched the film and it changed his life and it allowed him to vocalize his feelings and what he's been going through and, and to do it in a positive way instead of a negative way and to do something constructive with those those experiences. Um, but, I mean, back to what you were saying before, I mean, I, I think the, the process, I, I mean, I always believe that the more senses you use doing something and the more you immerse more senses into something the better you understand what that something is mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I think you know the writing the, the creating the, the visuals of something um, all, all those that, that process outside of just thinking about something um, really helps you understand what it is and, and, and how to deal with it and how to grow from it absolutely but what about you? What's
1: what are your uh, ambitions and goals and? Oh my gosh, man! <laughs> I'm uh, I'm in film school right now, so literally everything is up in the air, and I'm just kind of sitting back and looking at everything. And that's you know that's a part of the why I'm doing the podcast is I, I get the chance to talk to people from every every aspect of the filmmaking from production design to directing to visual effects to costume makeup and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yet what I want to do. I I mean,
0: yeah. I I, 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 saw, I saw I was looking up the, your website and, and something about you. It seems like you're you're very um, driven and and everything at uh, you know young age. It seems like you very much want to just uh, learn and soak up as much as you can in the industry, and you're doing all the right things to do that.
1: Well, thank you, man. I'm I'm trying, and it's weird because when it started, I d- I didn't even think about it like why like it was one of those things where you start to do something you don't really really know why you're doing it and then you figure out why you're doing it like along the way and i and i'm and then i get like 20 episodes in and i'm talking to all these people that are like in LA in New York in Georgia in New Orleans actually making films and doing things and i like know them and i like it it was like a really weird feeling where i'm like wow like and that's why i appreciate it because i'm not just I don't know. And that's why when I do an interview, I'm, I don't just have like three questions written down or have like questions written down where I'm just, I want an answer to that question. I try to make it like a conversation to where I'm just chatting like we're doing right now because then, yeah, I don't know. It, it makes sense. It's nice to know the person rather than just like asking only about their work or only about, you know, their processes, I guess. So I don't know, it man. It makes
0: less sense. Otherwise, it gets very formulaic, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, I want to write. I definitely want to make some films. I've been really drawn to production design and like that sort of aspect and how interesting it is to see all the things that you don't think about when you're watching a film, all the little tiny, tiny things that have to go into making every single scene exactly how it needs to be and how most of the time that's just not even thought of. So maybe I'll do something like that. I don't, I don't know. My, my plan is just to go to probably L.A. with my portfolio of some of the things I've done and just ask, you know. The people I've chatted with, hey, like, what can I do for you, if anything? So, we'll see.
0: Oh, that's great! You said you're graduating this year, or?
1: I'm graduating next next year. So, April of 2021, I will be a free man.
0: Excellent! You yeah, it's interesting because I, I was um, I met uh, Wyatt Oliff at a at the Catalina Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there with Rockaway and. We actually we won uh, best film of the festival. Awesome, awesome, and um, we had like one of the first standing ovations for their festival. So cool, man! Two hundred something seats. It was again. I'm like, how do these people know about us? But (laughs) anyway, so uh, also also there uh, being honored was Wyatt Olaf, who had just come off Guardians of the Galaxy, and Mm -hmm. he was young Stanley in it. So the boys in my film connected with him. They, They were all hanging out. I met his parents and. Long story short, (coughs) his mother asked me if I would mentor him because he wanted to learn more about the other side of the camera. And at the time, I think he was 15, he's 16 now. Mm -hmm. And I said, great. I said, what does he want to do? And she said, you know, he maybe wants to direct. Can he like shadow you or something? I said, Listen, he wants to direct. Why don't we just direct the co-direct a short together? Uh-huh. And she said, "Do you think?" He, she said, "Do you think he's ready?" I said, "I said honestly, I said any director who tells you they're ready and knows exactly what they're shooting and what they want to do and, what, and the story they want to tell and the director they want to be and what their style is—if they tell you right away they know all those answers—I'm like they're lying to you, right? Because the, honesty, the honest, you know—the honest thing of it is, you just go and you tell a story that you enjoy and you think is good, and you hope everyone else likes it.
1: That's it. Um,
0: And, you know, that was advice that I heard from uh, Inaratu at the DJ Awards when he won for uh, Birdman. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was so funny. What's nice about DJ Awards is it's not televised, so people are very real.
1: Uh Uh-huh, right.
0: And so he gets up there, gets his award, and he says, you know, his his 15-year-old son was there with his wife, and he said, you know, making a film... He's like, there's no right way to do it. You don't. No one tries to make a bad film. You don't know the right, right way, the right thing to definitely make sure you're going to have a great film. Mm-hmm. He said it's kind of like you know making a kid. He's like, there's no sexual position to assure that you're going to make a great kid. And the cameras right. that were there internally, like, put one on his son, and his son's face got bright red. <laughs> and he's like, but he's like, but my wife and I, we made a we made a great kid. And he's like, that's he's like, that's making a film. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I just think that's you know if, if you if you want to direct and just just start making some some shorts and start making some some content
1: for sure, um, man. As, you as know, long as I'm as long as I'm creating, I feel I feel all right. Whenever I'm not making something, I start to feel like the weight <laughs> of everything, and I'm like, oh dear, I gotta go shoot a, something or other.
0: Well, then you know you're doing you're in the right. Uh, the right biz then, because that's the way we uh, we all feel.
1: <laughs> For sure, it's so scary. Like hearing from someone like you who has just been in it, because it's like, how? How do you even? How, where do you start? You know, it's it's just wild. So if if you want to make that a segue into how you, <laughs> you became a visual effects artist and whatnot in school and and all that, please, sure, um, please let me know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got an internship when I was uh, seventeen. Um, I was going to, into my freshman year at NYU, mm-hmm. and I got this internship at a post production company called Charlex. Mm-hmm. And Charlex was a pretty hot company doing, you know, uh, openings for like SNL and, and MTV, and uh, I think they were working on a f- documentary with Spike Lee at the time. Wow! And I was there just you know, doing paperwork, getting coffee, and doing a night shift after my NYU classes. And while I was there, some of the supervisors said, well, why don't we have him learning how to archive and back up all the visual effects work that was done um, on this particular software called Flame,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: Autodesk makes. And it was a very high-end software, still still is, but more accessible um, these days, and so I started learning that, and then I, I really enjoyed it. And I said, "Well, what else can I do at night to help out the senior artists during the day?" So I started doing some junior flame work and junior visual effects work. And then I remember that a project came in for the NBA Finals, and it was something that um, it was what the Sixers were playing the Lakers. Something that I think Reebok or some, whatever Allen Iverson's sneaker brand was that he was with, yeah. wanted a commercial ready to go to air for the NBA Finals the next day. And the owner of the company said, well, all my artists aren't here. And I, I overheard what they needed. I said, well, listen, I, I can do that. And he's like, well, who are you? You get the coffee here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I've also been learning this. Right. So long story short, I put, I put the commercial together, and they loved it, and I Suddenly was 18 years old, not getting coffee anymore, like holding client sessions and working on the wow, software. Man. Um, sounds like a movie. And just, <laughs> yeah, it was, kind of, it was really nuts. And I just uh, I kept doing that while working towards my degree at NYU. Mm-hmm. I graduated in 2003, 2004. I'm on set uh, doing a visual effects supervising a Ruby Tuesday commercial. And I realized the director of photography, named name's Matthew Santo, mm-hmm. uh, him and I went to NYU together, graduated the same year, the year before, 2003. Wow. And the, direct, the director went to NYU with us as well. He And him and Matt are friends, and he graduated in 2003 as well. And the funny thing about that is the director for the Ruby Tuesday commercial was John Watts, who you probably know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. Far From Home. So we all would just, you know, for like five or six years, like John would call us up, oh, I've got this music video idea, can you fly out to L.A., go out to L.A., we shoot a music video, we bring the effects through like whatever post-production company I was working at at night just to like use all the high-end stuff that we didn't have money for, (laughs) Um, and Matt would shoot the stuff, and we just kind of kept doing a lot of that stuff together. Um, And to this day now, you know, Matt... Uh, Matthew Santo, he shoots my commercials. He shot the McDonald's thing with me this week. He shot Rockaway. He's probably going to shoot my next feature film that I'm hoping to shoot this summer. Um, you know, and then, I mean, that was kind of the path. I mean, wow, man. just, uh, you know, opportunity. And I, I put in the work and I was ready for it. And, you know, things worked out.
1: That's crazy, dude. I, I just love, I I love hearing that. I love it so much.
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, here's a funny story for you. So uh, I don't know if you know how uh, John Watts um, got one of his first films. No idea. So he had he was he was he's such a brilliant person. He um, YouTube was up and coming, uh-huh. and he, had, he was creating content, creating content for YouTube with a bunch of other people from NYU and a bunch of friends. And he and another friend, Chris Ford who wrote uh, Robot and Frank, he wrote on um, oh. Spider-Man, and he wrote, uh, Cop Car. Um, so Chris Ford and John put a fake trailer on their YouTube channel uh, called Clown, and it's they credit Eli Roth with it's going to be his next horror film. <laughs> the next day, it had like, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of hits and they got a call from eli roth and they were like oh my god they're like oh my god don't don't sue us right and he's like no no no!" he's like i, I really love the concept you have a feature length script idea that is this concept and they're like yeah can we just polish it and send it to you in a week and he's like sure they hung up the phone like oh shit we gotta write this thing now
1: <laughs>
0: so they wrote it and i uh, i think i forget who ended up Funding it, but uh, yeah, that was how he got his first uh, his first.
1: Feature oh first my patch. god, dude, that's crazy!
0: <laughs> I mean, everyone's got their own path. <laughs> yeah, it, it
1: just it seems to happen completely unexpected. Like it just it just yeah, falls into that. What's your next feature uh, so film?
0: Next feature is uh, with a writer uh, Megan Cleary, who I met at a film festival when I was doing the festivals with Rockaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's her script. It's called uh, Latchkey Kids. Mm. Um, and so we've been we've been developing it together, and I, I think you know with how successful Rockaway's been, it's helped make this process a little bit easier. And I think we're gonna right. have a little bit more of a budget on this one. Um, Sweet man. And that one is uh, it's another coming of age film. It's more of a dark comedy, like A Little Miss Sunshine meets Home Alone. For sure. And it follows a ten year yeah it follows a ten year old boy who's Babysitters keep dying, and he's got a scarlet letter on him in town, and everyone thinks in this small little town that something's like kind hmm. of off about him. And he befriends a seventeen-year-old girl who becomes his next babysitter, and their Ooh. worlds in Ooh,
1: that's interesting. So yeah, that's
0: the, uh, that's the next one that's up.
1: That's exciting, man.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Wow.
1: Do you? Uh, how do I ask? Like, wh- where do you feel you are in terms of, like, fulfillment? Considering not only what you wanted to do when you were younger, but, like, what you've developed in terms of goals. Like, do you feel that you've done a lot of what you need to do to feel good?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm I'm someone that's sort of never, that's always pushing for more and more and more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I think I definitely, uh, bucket list for me was having, you know, a, fe- a feature that I, Wrote and directed, be in theaters, you know, in a right. theater, um, and 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 be out there in the world. Um, I mean, even just having you know a blue, like holding a Blu-ray, you a, a DVD of it, <laughs> just is. I feel like very much like that was a bucket list thing, and I feel good about that. Absolutely. But by, by no means do I feel that I want to stop pushing forward. I mean, I, I really, I would have uh, loved for Rockaway to, you know, maybe somehow like indie spirit or dga awards mm-hmm. or something like that um but uh i think you know the next one that's the that's the next goal is uh, not just to make a feature but to get more exposure and you know we're always fighting for more exposure for Rockaway. absolutely and uh just keep pushing forward
1: for sure man well, thank you so much for the chat.
0: Yes, yeah, it's has yeah, been great. Um, and thanks for watching the film. If you can, drop us a little rating and review on IMDb. Those things always help.
1: Absolutely, I will. I, I'm so happy that we finally got to sit down and talk.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been, it's been a few weeks here. But yeah, and the other side of things, if I can help with anything and any advice or anything, and as you uh, progress with uh, your studies and everything you want to do, definitely reach out and hit me up.
1: Well, thank you, man. I, I definitely foresee our paths crossing eventually. And we'll look back on absolutely. this, and we'll say, "Wow, how funny <laughs> that we chatted!"
0: Uh, absolutely, I, 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 definitely believe that. I, you know I what? Can feel your ambition. <laughs> let's,
1: let's do this, John. Are you ready? Let's make yeah. a, let's make a movie about this chat. All right. <laughs> and so the, the plot of the film is: there's this kid. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to get into the film industry. So he makes a movie <laughs> where he's talking to this director. <laughs> About making the film and it's so meta and ironic that people love it and they get it and it and he and it just jumpstarts his career. What do you think?
0: Well, you know, you know what's funny is that we actually, so I actually ended up making a short film with Wyatt Olive Yeah, and we're going to be premiering this year, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, I mean, you never know, you never know where things start, I mean, how things, how things start, where they end up and everything, and have you seen, uh, Seduced and Abandoned?
1: No, I haven't.
0: It is a documentary that is basically Alec Baldwin going to the Cannes Film Festival and just... Speaking such bullshittery to people about a fake movie idea he has, just to <laughs> expose how ridiculous the whole industry is. <laughs> and he's honestly, he's like, he's like, gosh so the movie's gonna star me? We need ten million dollars, and people are like, ah, you're a TV star. I'd give you two million dollars. <laughs> like, yeah, but if, but if we shoot in uh, you know, if we shoot in Syria, you know, we're gonna get uh, you know more for our money. And they're like, oh, Syria? Do they have a tax credit? He's like, oh, we'll start one. It'll be fun. Is it safe? Yeah, it's totally safe. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole the whole movie is just him going around and just doing that in can and it's it's hilarious that sounds <laughs> fantastic
1: i will absolutely watch that thank you for the recommendation
0: but, but, all right man, well thanks for the chat and uh again you